0: So we live in a world now where telehealth is an accepted form of doing a consult with a clinician. We've talked a lot on the show about how telehealth is much more than just spinning up a video call or a phone call and trying to replicate that in-person experience between a patient and a clinician. It involves the use of other tools and technology to help clinicians diagnose and care for patients with confidence when doing it remotely. And so let's take an example of respiratory disease. Say that you were a loved one, had a cough, and it's getting pretty bad. So who knows? It might be pneumonia, asthma, bronchitis, something else. And so how do you know? Normally for a doctor to diagnose you, maybe they might get their stethoscope or they'd probably give you a machine to breathe into, like a spirometer. And so how do you do that in a telehealth consultation? I mean, surely they're not going to get you to cough into your smartphone and the phone will magically diagnose you, well, that's exactly what they're going to do. Today, I'm talking with Tony Keating from ResApp, are developing digital healthcare solutions to assist doctors and empower patients to diagnose and manage respiratory disease. In this episode, we'll talk about modernizing the process of diagnosing respiratory disease, the use of AI and smartphones in clinical diagnostics, and lots more. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Tony Keating, CEO and Managing Director of ResApp. He's got over 10 years of experience in commercializing technology. Tony created the initial business strategy for RezApp over five years ago and has led the company to date. Hey, Tony, how are you going? Well, thanks,
1: Pete. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you making the time. Really keen to explore everything you're doing at RezApp and all of the exciting opportunities that exist. But I thought, firstly, give us a bit of context. Tell us about yourself and your background.
1: Well thanks Pete so I'm now CEO and managing director of Resap Health have led Resap since its founding since we spun it out of the University of Queensland about 6 years ago now engineer by training But mostly I've worked in technology commercialization. So before Resap, I was at UniQuest, which is the technology commercialization company of the University of Queensland. We had a really fun job basically walking around the university, looking at technologies and trying to find commercial use and take them out into the world, which is really fun. Everything from MRI to allied health, telehealth to terahertz laser imaging potentially for skin disorders and things like that. So really exciting role. But what I saw at UniQuest was really this groundswell in using AI and machine learning to help us improve how healthcare is delivered. And that's really what excited me about ResApp and started us thinking about how to commercialize Resap. And then it was the ubiquitous nature of smartphones. And that would let us, I guess, scale healthcare to the huge population. And that's really where ResApp came from, AI and consumer devices.
0: Nice, the perfect combination. Look, Tell us a bit more about ResApp in detail then. What is it? Who's it for? What problems it solve?
1: Yeah, so we build solutions for respiratory diagnosis and management. And key to that is using the smartphone, as I said. Using the smartphone lets us reach the largest number of people. And so the work was originally developed by a professor at the University of Queensland, Danther Aberatney, where he came up with this idea that your cough sound contained information about what's going on inside your lungs. And so we use that technology in our flagship product called DX, which uses cough sounds to diagnose acute respiratory disease. So everything from pneumonia down to an asthma exacerbation, croup in children, bronchiolitis in children, we're able to tell that from the sound of your cough. So the sound of your cough, Basically tells us what's going on inside your lungs. We're bringing that to market in two real key areas. As you mentioned in the introduction, telehealth is becoming ubiquitous. It's becoming the most common way of seeing a doctor, but you don't have a stethoscope. or a clinician doesn't have a stethoscope. So making that diagnosis is really tricky in telehealth. So we see a key value proposition there in telehealth. And then in health equity, so being able to bring diagnostics into places that didn't have accurate diagnostics before. We're working with a group called Alara Health in Kenya and we're able to provide their clinicians you know, in Nairobi who don't have access to a chest X-ray, definitely don't have access to a CT scanner with an accurate tool for assessing the quality of someone's lungs. So that's really the key that we bring to the table. Amazing.
0: You mentioned the flagship product, and I want to go into a lot of detail soon about a lot of that. So it sounds like then there's other tools and products and stuff that comes under the Resat banner?
1: Yeah. So uh, we've taken that same technology. So we see our key leadership globally is in analyzing audio for healthcare. And so we have two other products. One is Sleep Check, which analyzes sleep audio. So snoring sounds, breathing sounds overnight. It provides an accurate way of assessing sleep apnea risk. So rather than having to go for a sleep study in a clinic where you're wired up with two dozen wires, sleep overnight in an uncomfortable position, you can put a smartphone on the bedside table, wake up the next morning with an accurate assessment of sleep apnea. Again, clinically validated, regulatory approved product. And then we have a very simple technology, which we call Cough Counter, which is an app on the phone, which just counts coughs over time over a 24-hour or a seven-day period, What's really interesting there is that that is actually a biomarker for respiratory health. So you can imagine it tells you if someone's coughing more and more often, their respiratory health is possibly in decline. If they're coughing less often, they're probably being treated well. So we're working with pharmaceutical companies, both on the clinical trial space. So is their medication working in a clinical trial setting or even in the real life when you're starting to titrate medication and look at how medication is affecting people's lives? cough is a good biomarker for doing so.
0: So cool. Such an exciting opportunity. So many exciting opportunities that exist there. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. Back to the respiratory side of things. We talked about telehealth. So, respiratory telehealth, there's no prizes for me to guess that COVID has been somewhat of a busy period for you guys.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we've all seen telehealth start to really grow through COVID 19. It's normalized telehealth, I think, is a pretty, pretty good way of putting it. The standard. Reasons for using telehealth, it's more convenient, lowers costs, gets greater access to healthcare. But, you know, when we're talking about a pandemic like this, there's also the less risk of transmitting disease. You're not sitting in a waiting room with other people who are coughing. We see that in the setup of specialist respiratory clinics and even the trouble that people have had trying to get to a doctor during this pandemic with just a cough or a cold, having to go through the COVID testing process. So with telehealth becoming normal, we really see ourselves as that enabler to take telehealth to that next level rather than asking 30 questions about your respiratory health, having an objective measure to find out is this pneumonia, is this just an upper respiratory tract infection. So, yeah, for us, I guess it's been busy because we've been scaling up into that. Opportunity. So we've done partnership deals with a number of Australian companies, with CoView, with Phoenix Health, with Doctors on Demand here in Australia to bring our technology to their platforms. We're working with Medgate in Switzerland. Obviously, Europe is also seeing a massive boom in telehealth and they're one of the leaders in telehealth in Europe. So that's key for us. And then in the pharma space, pharma's got the same problem. They're running remote clinical trials now and being able to monitor their patients remotely during this pandemic is really important. We work with AstraZeneca Japan on a lung cancer study where we're helping them remotely monitor patients and going back to that case of monitoring patients who are using a medication, AstraZeneca Japan noticed that a lot of their asthmic patients weren't going back into the clinic because of COVID-19. So providing them with a tool to empower them, to help monitor them remotely is what's come out of the pandemic as well. So a really exciting time for us. Directly in COVID, we're starting to work in that space. We have a clinical trial in the U.S., where we're recruiting patient cough sounds with COVID. We think there's the potential of screening or diagnosing COVID-19 using cough sounds. Probably more importantly though, as we get to this new world order where COVID is gonna be here, looking at patients, looking at the severity of their disease. So whether COVID-19 is transformed or or has progressed into something like a pneumonia, which is the more serious case when then needs to be treated more carefully. That's where we think we can add a lot of value as well.
0: Very cool. It's exciting to hear about those partnerships with Covue and Doctors on Demand and others. And we'll put the links for interviews with both those companies in the show notes of this episode. They're both members of Talking Health Tech, been on a few things as well. So that's a great combination there. Just thinking about how these things are diagnosed today and for a long time we've been diagnosing respiratory issues with the tools like the stethoscope and spirometry and everything me personally i'm always someone who gets super excited about the way that you could do something we've always been done but with technology in a new and novel way but sometimes i fall foul to like just doing it for technology's sake you know so what's wrong with how we diagnose respiratory issues today
1: well, I think you're rightly pointing out that the stethoscope is probably the key tool that doctors use for respiratory disease. The first thing they do when you walk into the doctor's office today with a cough or a runny nose is stick a stethoscope on your chest, on your back and listen to your breathe, right?
0: I just And I love it as well, because the only way you can tell that someone's a doctor in a photo is if they've
1: got a stethoscope, <laughs> got a stethoscope. around. <laughs> Sorry, Absolutely. go on. But you got to remember the stethoscope was developed in 1816. So it's been around for a really long time. And not much has changed. We're still doing the same thing. So we think that there's a real opportunity for AI and machine learning to improve how consistent, you know, it's is very subjective. It's do I hear a certain sound? We can help remove that and help make it more objective a much more objective, more consistent assessment of people's health and hopefully increase the accuracy as well. We've got some really interesting studies that show that our technology is as good as a doctor in an emergency department, even with access to blood tests, chest x-rays, stethoscope, the whole suite. So we think there's real ability to improve performance by working with the doctor, providing them with additional information to get them to make a better decision. And of course, stethoscope doesn't work in telehealth. No matter what you do, it's going to be nearly impossible to get stethoscopes out to everybody in the field. It was interesting to talk about technology and how technology adoption happens and how you think about digitising the stethoscope. And I go back to what Professor Aberatney did when he originally started here. You know, one option here is to take a stethoscope, take the sound from a stethoscope, and then analyze it with AI. That's one technology approach, which is what you'd think is a good approach. It doesn't really solve the problem that you have, though, right? Because then you still have to get a stethoscope out to everyone in the field. So he went about it a very, very different way. Very, There was a lot of people who were doubting whether it was even possible, but using the cough sounds meant that we could use the smartphone, which meant we could deliver into telehealth. And that was a really cool step and a really disruptive step going from, hey, let's just analyze stethoscope sounds to let's analyze cough sounds. And that to us is really exciting. So yeah, for us, spirometry, chest X-ray, CT, are other options, They're not really used in an acute setting. You don't tend to be turned up to the ED with a cough. You tend to only take you through to a chest x-ray for pneumonia. So again, really not available in the telehealth setting and not available in a low resource setting like with Alara Health in Kenya.
0: You touched on a really important point, I think, generally in the adoption side of technology and often the success of technology in healthcare doesn't come always just from taking, like you say, the output of what we already get using tools and then diagnosing it better. It's more about increasing that accessibility side of it because and there are other examples in other areas and modalities and niches where scanning of an image can be done better using AI than with a human mind. But you've got to get that image in the first place, whether it's a really close up one or whether it's an x-ray one or whatever. So finding ways that technology can exist in the current day day and not increase costs and all of that for others makes it really accessible and scalable. So I think you've certainly touched on a really important point there. And you talked about the accuracy side of things for a second there too, and about how there's some data that talks about how it's good as if not better than what we've got now. You know, for those that aren't too familiar with how that all works, what are some of those markers in terms of that data itself that demonstrates all of this?
1: This is where we've been focused on the last sort of six years of Resap's history. I guess only in the last year or so, we've been really focused on the commercialization. The first five years of Resap, we've been focused on clinical studies and regulatory approvals. We've run blinded prospective clinical studies in Australian hospitals, in both pediatrics and adults. We've now published that data in multiple high-quality peer-reviewed journals. So we're really driven out of our spin-out from the university. We're still a very science-focused company and clinical-focused company as we move forward. So sensitivity and specificity. So for those who don't know those terms, so sensitivity is how many positives we pick up in a group of Patients who have the disease, specificity is how many patients who we pick up who have negative, who don't have the disease. So false positive versus false negative type arrangement. So we're about the mid 80s, sometimes closer to 90s in sensitivity and specificity, which is pretty amazing when you look at what happens clinically. Clinically, we've shown in a number of studies ourselves that doctors don't agree with each other roughly a third of the time in these diseases. So clinical accuracy here is not 99%. It's much, much lower. 60 potentially even much lower than that when you just have a stethoscope. Again, we're excited and we're trying to publish more in this area. Our clinical team have just published a preprint in this area, looking at diagnostic errors in an Australian emergency department and looking at different pediatric diseases and basically showing, depending on the disease, that doctors have a sensitivity in the 60s in some instances. So 60-something percent for diagnosing what you would expect to be fairly common respiratory conditions seen in the ed and our technology is showing 80 plus wow that's awesome
0: So thinking about the technology that's used for a second, so think about the phone specifically, the mobile phone being used to help with diagnosis. And like we talked about before, they're extremely accessible, nearly everyone's got one, and that's a great tool to be able to do that. And certainly, in my opinion, that's obviously the future for a lot of the way that healthcare is going. But from both a clinician's and a patient's perspective, I've seen over the years the use of... Phones in healthcare can often be seen as like a gimmicky thing and doctors are used to seeing, and patients are used to seeing big clunky machines or medical devices in rooms that are used to diagnose things accurately, not consumer gadgets like iPhones in a consult. So do you think that the attitude towards all of that is shifting to something where phones are becoming more commonplace in healthcare?
1: I think it depends on the setting. And I think that's, again, one of the reasons why we're so focused on the telehealth and the remote setting for us. For the remote setting, for the telehealth setting, you're really relying on what's available at that point of care, whether it's someone at home talking to their doctor on their own smartphone, or whether it's a rural clinic in Kenya. There's no real choice. Buying a $10,000 piece of equipment just doesn't make sense. It's not going to go into everybody's homes. It's not going to go into those clinics in rural Kenya. So for us, the smartphone just provides that ubiquitous way of deploying the technology. I think what we've seen is this change being accelerated quickly. I think I heard someone say, we've had years of acceleration in telehealth in the last six months due to COVID. We're not going backwards. People like Alara Health in Kenya are looking at phones as a default mechanism of delivering health. It's much like that they skip landlines in much of the developing world to go straight to mobile phones. We're going to see the same in those countries skipping traditional technologies. You know, They use technologies like Butterfly Health's ultrasound, which is an ultrasound that connects to a mobile phone. And they use the same technology out in the field in Kenya. So you just see these things happening in the emerging markets, in the developing world. It'll happen here as well. And telehealth's accelerated that. So one of the things that we really look at is really to get this healthcare system functioning well, to be it sustainable and to be fair for everyone. And for us, it's delivering the right care at the right time in the right place. And most of the time, that right place is at the home. For a lot of the percentage of cases that end up in the ED, they don't need to be there. They could be dealt with, with telehealth and the equipment that you have is your smartphone. The number of technologies that we can use to leverage the smartphone, whether it's audio, which is what we do, whether it's the camera, whether it's a motion sensor, whether it's a smartwatch, all of those things are basically letting us deliver healthcare earlier and earlier in the process. And hopefully we get better outcomes that way as well.
0: Yeah. And all of those points that you just raised, then that speaks not just to making sure people get the right care in the right place, et cetera, but it speaks to that really important point around accessibility within healthcare too, particularly across Australia and remote and regional areas. And then elsewhere around the globe, like you say, in Kenya and others, I assume tools like yourselves improve accessibility in these parts too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This comes back from our core values, which came from our initial founding, which was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the pneumonia problem. And so we always look back at that and try to work out how we build our technology such that it can be deployed very easily accessible into those countries. We're working with an Aboriginal or an Indigenous health service in Geraldton at the moment in Northwestern Australia, where we are looking to screen patients for COPD, or Indigenous people for COPD there, it's a increased percentage of risk in the Indigenous population. And obviously they don't have access to, in that case, spirometry is the way to diagnose COPD. So having spirometers in rural Australia is not easy. And so being able to diagnose COPD using a smartphone in Geraldton, we think there's a really nice opportunity there as well.
0: Love it. Hey, look, to close things out, Tony, you touched on a few of the things that we might be looking forward to coming from ResApp in the future. But to summarize, what are some of the things we might be looking to see from you guys over the next 6 to 12 to 24?
1: Yeah, so look, our number one focus is increasing the use of our technology. That's where we're putting our resources today. So that's wider availability on more telehealth platforms. That's working in low resource settings, such as Alara in Kenya, but also looking at a number of other low resource settings, even rural Australia as well. We're working with payers to gain reimbursement. It's a really important part of commercialising medical devices in countries like Australia or the US, where reimbursement is really important. And we're working with the FDA as well to bring ourselves and open the US market. But I think that's the next six, 12 months period. I think long-term, the future that we look towards is we all have these connected devices in our home, right? We have an Amazon Alexa, we have a Google HomePod, et cetera, and they all have audio, they all have a microphone. So that really gives us this opportunity to leverage that, to listen for changes in your respiratory situation and then potentially be able to indicate when you should see a doctor whether it's telehealth or in person before you'd even know yourself. And that's sort of the holy grail for us is if we can predict that you're heading towards a COPD exacerbation before you even know to call up your doctor yourself, then the healthcare benefits there are just huge. So that's where we're heading.
0: So exciting. Look, I'll put the details for Resap Health in the show notes of this episode. You'll find them on our website for more details as well. So get in touch with the team if you're interested or wanting to find out more. Look, Tony, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you
1: so much. It's great. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com
0: to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an
1: episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.